Welcome to Wisco Dice. Hey, folks, I am your host, the Conzi with the Most, and today I am joined by an illustrious crew of hosts that's going to include the Meeple's champion, Justin, the Ghost Walker, Matt, and of course, let's not forget Suzanne. This is episode 114, 114 of the Wisco Dice Tabletop Gaming Podcast. And today is August 23rd, 2023. On today's episode, we'll cover our most anticipated games from that are releasing at Essen Spiel 2023. We'll also catch up on our hobby corner where we have lots of interesting little miniature hobby projects going on. But first, let's roll into the games we've been playing. All right, let's get into some of the games we have been playing. So our first up this time this month is Thunder Road Vendetta. This is a game Conzie and I picked up at Gen Con this year. It is published by Restoration Games. It takes about 45 to 75 minutes to play, depending on how quickly you crash and uh, knock each other out of the game. You can play with two to four players in the base game. Ben, myself, Justin, and our other host Brian have all helped play this, and Matt will be playing it soon, I'm sure. So, <laughs> Restoration Games, if you are not familiar with them, they generally take games that were published years and years ago and revamp them and give them a new life. And so that's what they did with this game. This game was initially debuted in 1986. Uh, so they have updated it and given it, you know, a few more twists and change a little bit of the game mechanics but not much so this is very reminiscent if you've seen the movie uh, max fury road so this feels a lot like that movie to me where you are driving your cars in a group down these you know unforgiving terrain and you're just knocking each other out shooting other cars choppers are coming in you're bouncing off of different hazards. You might be even knocking yourself, your own cars, out of the game. So this is all kind of decided by dice rolls that you do for movement. And then you roll other dice to determine what happens when you hit hazards or when you are shooting at someone else. So, and when you get these hazards, they can be all crazy things where you might blast off. So you hit another car and you blast off over all of the obstacles and you land safely on the other side. Or you blast off and fall off the edge of the board. <laughs> Days driving, where you are have no clue because each time, each space that you're moving, you're rolling the die again to tell you which direction you're moving. And who knows where you're going to be. You may end up back where you started. So it's a very crazy game. Difficult to predict what you're going to be doing in it, so there's you can't really plan out, and you have to understand that going into it. There's high player interaction. Um, these interactions that you have, like I could uh, drive my car and slam into Conzi, and then that can have a cascading effect where they are hitting an oil slick and then slamming into Justin, who then 
blasts off and lands on top of my car. It can just be really crazy. It's definitely more of a fun game than a serious game. And when you get knocked, if you get knocked out of the game, I don't know about the rest of you, but I was not such a big deal. Oh my gosh, I got knocked out. But it was a lot of fun and keep watching what else is going on. So that's kind of an overview of this crazy, crazy game. Now, now, wait a minute. You said it involves dice rolling, but dice hate me, and Ben can attest to that. Yeah, well, <laughs> hey, you know, in this one, dice hating you, it's not really that big of a deal. Because if they hate you and they just move you into and slam you into another car, well, then that other car is now going to have to roll some dice, potentially. So. No, it sounds like it was a lot of fun. It just sounds kind of nuts. Oh yeah, yeah, it definitely it's, is. It's a chaotic game for sure, but it really is a blast. Like you, you really do get the sense of your convoy of of your truck and your cars just barreling down this desert road and smashing into everybody else. And um, you know, there is some uh, sort of strategy in terms of like how far you can move your car. You get some choices about you know when you roll dice, what dice you use to kind of drive which car. So I might save a really high dice for my car that's way out in front so that I can have a better chance of winning potentially. Or, um, you know, we got into a situation when we played where there was this choke point in the middle of the map. And so there were so many cars and hazards in the way that you couldn't move very far without hitting something. So you might want to conserve your, you know, high rolls for some other cars to catch up from the back or something like that. And your positioning, as far as like slamming into people or driving behind them, allows you to choose to kind of like mess them up by by colliding with them or shooting at them, which can deal some damage. So there's some some strategy there for where you position your cars. But after that, it is utter chaos and really really fun. <laughs> yes. Conzi, what do you think of it? Yeah. There's not uh, a lot of complexity of this game it's very straightforward and, and very fast to teach where this game excels is the utter chaos and if you're playing to try to truly win this game then i think you're playing this game wrong <laughs> uh, obviously it's a game we're all going to try to win i'm not trying to say not to do that it's just this is a kind of game where if you're given the option to slam your car into another person's car that you might be able you might end up knocking them into the wall and destroying their car or you go really fast and get the lead option A smashing into the other person's car is by far the by far the more interesting and fun option to choose. So when when it comes to rolling dice, it doesn't matter how well your <laughs> dice roll or, ba- or not, because that's not really the point of the game. The point is to smash, smash, bang, shoot your shoot your guns, smash your cars, fly out your helicopter to shoot that at things. Hopefully, maybe get lucky and well, was it your car that got blown up by your own helicopter? Everybody's gonna laugh about it at the table. That's yeah. that is this game in a nutshell and if that sounds like your kind of game then you should definitely check out thunder thunder road vendetta from restoration games all right so our next game that we're talking about is uh, a classic here at wisco dice at this point uh lost ruins of arnak 
Um, we played this the other day with all of the expansions that are currently available. So that's the Expedition Leaders and Lost Expeditions expansions. So that gave us some new options for Expedition Leaders, as well as, I believe, a totally new research track um, with a whole different sort of progression method from the base game. Lost Runes of Arnak is from CGE Games, takes about 30 minutes per player, and the player count is one to four. Um, quality of the components in the new expansion is consistent with the high quality that, that the game is already, you know, shown at this point. This new temple track really did make it kind of harder to, to plan out and really rocket up that uh, track became more difficult in this version because um, there's different resources that you need, also different benefits that you're getting as you're moving your tokens up the track um, that make you make some choices. Like I might be able to move into a space where I can give up one of the trophies I got for exploring an, uh, a location to get some immediate benefit you know, instead of one of the bonuses on the player board. Um, so there's some interesting choices there. The new expansion includes two new leaders with some really interesting powers and a little more complexity in their play. Matt played one of the one of the new characters that had this cog wheel that you turn, and I'll let him explain that if he wants to. Um, but that looked really, really interesting. A totally different way to play, it seemed like. And of course, there's new cards that add different variety as well. How was it playing that? that more complex character, Matt? Uh, you know, the first time I saw it, I was a little intimidated by it. But the the nice thing is, is they have this, the book. Um, I, you know, they this goes back to what I think is they have some very good quality stuff. And the booklet that kind of talks about the leader, it's just a two-page thing. It shows you all the things that the leader can do. And like I said, initially when I stared at it, I was a little intimidated by it. But when I read through the mechanics, I was like, oh, okay, I get this. and and they stick with very consistent iconography. So while there are some new icons, there's consistency in how they do it in conjunction with like other things that they've done in this series. So if you're familiar with other leaders, like you'll be like, oh, okay, it's a new symbol, but you know, the arrow goes this way or it's got a crossed out symbol. So, I mean, they're very consistent from that perspective. Um, so once I kind of got into it and I would say like, once we got through like the first round and I understood my cards a little better, it was actually pretty, pretty slick. Um, I know both you and my wife who were playing commented that it felt like the new leader generated a few more extra resources. So, I mean, I yeah. think if you, if you can kind of figure out how the new ones work, but like any of them, I mean, the leaders expansion had all sorts of interesting things that you could do too, but it was just nice variety. I felt, I mean, if you, you know, it adds to the replayability of the game. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, I'll, I'll say the other new leader in this expansion is a journalist. So we have the engineer, which Matt played, and then there's also the journalist. And that one is a very different play style than the engineer is. This way, they even comment that part of the thing with the journalist is that the journalist can write reports and everything before he's got all the facts. So <laughs> your notebook can move up before you've actually explored stuff a bit. And then oh. you're encouraged as a journalist to go and kind of explore all of the different sites. Because then every time you go to the site, you start drafting a little article 
which then later on can be turned in for extra resources. You know, that one you're just really pushing to move. And so you guys did play the one temple track that mm-hmm. had caves on it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that one, like you said, you had to turn in your idols to move up, sort of to get some benefits. And yeah. it was just really, like, to me, that one, I haven't played that side, but it looked very different than the other temple tracks that have come with the other expansion in the base game. The waterfall side has a neat little mechanic on it also where for a couple of different levels, there some of the requirements are blocked out. So you can't, so you might be planning that, hey, you need a like a ruby and an arrowhead to move up. But if someone moves up before you, then the require there's like a little cardboard piece that moves over and covers the requirement they um, that they just use. Then you have to use the next re- the other requirement to move up. Oh, so you've got to like plan and try and you know potentially beat the person. So I thought that was pretty neat that way too. There's unique things on both sides of these temple tracks. Yeah, and then yeah. So one thing I one thing I did like is that it, it, I think this is a new mechanic, but correct me if I'm wrong. They provided a bunch of different ways for you to refresh um, your monsters to reuse their abilities again. There's a, a bunch yeah. of a bunch of different new symbols on the on the tracks and cards and stuff where you could reuse those monster abilities, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, there's yeah, there's it's more prevalent. Or I think there's maybe in the last expansion there was maybe one or two cards that let you do that. I I don't remember, mm. but yeah. This one, there's a lot. And then the part that not only any of us have played yet with this is that it's got the cooperative cooperative campaign. campaign. I was going to say it was legendary. It's not legendary. Thank you. (laughs) Cooperative campaign mode on it for uh, two players to go and explore. And it's got some... I obviously haven't read through it, but that looks pretty cool also. Yeah, I'm looking forward to pulling that one out with my wife. Um, I, I mean, and I Legends of Arnok is kind of a staple at our house. It, it will definitely hit the table pretty frequently, all things considered. So, I mean, to me, uh, that's it's not an expansion I was able to grab while we were at Gen Con, but we're definitely going to pick it up as soon as it gets to our one of our local game stores around here, and I'll uh, pick it up there. This is this this proved to be a popular game for us Keep, keeps hitting the table so we're yes. I'm glad to play it. <laughs> if you really want to hear more of our thoughts about Lost Runes of Arnok, make sure you check out episode eighty one of the podcast where we actually reviewed uh, the base game, and I think our thoughts have are probably still pretty pretty much the same. Although it just this game is one of those games that just keeps getting back to the table. Yeah. So our next our next game uh, is actually a game that uh, my wife picked up at Gen Con. It's called Cosmoctopus. This one has a playtime of about sixty to ninety minutes. Uh, plays one to four players. My myself and my wife actually played this one. Uh, my wife and Suzanne were actually looking to play this one while they were at Gen Con, but uh, only my wife was able to get to play it, and she brought a copy home, and uh, we had a lot of fun playing it. So it is. It is a very silly, fun card game where you play as a member of a cult. You are trying to 
permanently attract the gaze of the Cosmoctopus to your section of the universe. Uh, so you try to gather resources. You use those resources to play cards out of your hand. You know, the, all the game components are really kind of fun and lighthearted. There's a center board where you have nine tiles that are kind of randomly drawn where you move the Cosmoctopus around and gather resources when it is your turn. With those resources, like I said, you attempt to play cards that you've drawn from your hand. And, you know, those cards can do things like help you generate more resources, or they can help that will let you play further cards, or they give you artifacts that you use the resources on to then basically summon the Cosmoctopus. So you start by summoning the the arms of the Cosmoctopus, and once you got all of them, you you win and you get the Cosmoctopus. But I also thought it was kind of neat. They have this uh, interesting next player mechanic where when your turn is done, the last thing you do is turn the Cosmoctopus to face the next player. So it's little beady eyes hone in on you and then it's your turn to go. <laughs> It, and it is this mix of managing resource and playing cards to really ultimately gather those Cosmoctopus. And, and all the titles on the cards are silly and fun. And, um, you know, it's I wouldn't say it's like a kid's game, but it's definitely just very lighthearted. Um, and for those of you that, uh, you know, worship the flying spaghetti monster, it is, you know, along those lines. So... <laughs> Yeah. I'll say not, this game. Do not doubt his noodly goodness. <laughs> Never. <laughs> so I'll say this game seems very much in line with the other Lucky Duck games. So Lucky Duck is is published. Uh, Cosmoctopus, they're also the publisher of like Flamecraft yeah. and Chronicles of Crime and Oros and Paranormal Detectives. So a lot of it's this silly, but also silly games that they have that. Mm-hmm. Um, or just have something unique and eye-catching in them. Because this, this octopus that's on the table, like, I haven't played this game yet, but from what I could see of demos at Gen Con even, it was just kind of cool and had this neat table presence. But yeah. now, I've seen that it's listed as a horror genre. Is there <laughs> much horror in this game? Like... No, I, I mean it's it. I would say it's a it's a take on the flying spaghetti monster and a little bit of Cthulhu, but like the Cthulhu side of it is just so overshadowed by the humor of the, you know, the various things that go on. It's just not a very horror based <laughs> theme. I mean the the art is you know light but not too cartoony, and it, it's just you know it's just kind of a fun light game that you can play and put on the table and you know just have a good time. So, and that is Cosmoctopus. Check out wiscodice.com for links to all the games that we've discussed. And while you're at it, don't forget to leave a review of this podcast wherever you download podcasts. Next, let's roll into the news. Hey, newsflash, everyone. It's convention season. And you know what that means? That means Wisco Dice will be at a bunch of conventions. So we just came off of Gen Con. We had a blast. It was those I would they need to change their catchphrase from the best four days in gaming to the most exhausting four days in gaming. But uh, so we've all recovered. We're back and back and going, and we are excited for the rest of these conventions. So first up on our convention tour this fall. 
we will be at Dragonfall October 7th and 8th. That is at dragon-fall.com. That is going to be in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. So that is a big charity wargaming event, but uh, they're opening up more and more board games. There's a ton of RPG events this year at Dragonfall. It's definitely worth checking out. We'll be running events on Saturday, October 7th of the convention there. The big one for us here in Madison, though, of course, is GameholeCon. And that that is, like I said, in Madison itself. And that is going to be October 19th through the 22nd. Uh, you can just go to GameholeCon.com to find out all the information. You can still register and get badges and all that kind of stuff up to this point, pre-read. Uh, tons of events, RPGs. It's a huge RPG f- uh, presence. Can't say enough about True Dungeon actually being here in Madison, being able to do your True Dungeon runs, runs without having to spend the huge expense that is Gen Con. Tons of board gaming, open board gaming, one of the better art board game libraries on these small to mid-sized cons that I've seen around. Just really well-run cons. That's Gamehole Con here in Madison, Wisconsin at the Alliant Energy Center. And then finally, we've got the Renegade Wargaming Convention. That'll be November 17th through the 19th. Brian and myself for sure will be there uh, playing some Batman miniature gaming. Uh, That is, you can find more information. It'll be up in Minneapolis, St. Paul area uh, in Minnesota. And you can find out more information at renegadewargaming.com. We'll have more details about conventions and events that we're going to be attending in 2024. Until then, we hope to see you there, and even more importantly, we hope we, if you, we run into you that we get a chance to play a game with you. And speaking of playing games and conventions, one of the games that was all the rage at Gen Con was Disney Lorcana, and uh, appears to continue to be hard to get. It was hard to get at Gen Con. It's still hard to get now, even though they have the small game stores. The, your local game stores have received their allotments. And pretty much sold out of those immediately, it seems, in the first weekend. So we're very interested in looking to see how Disney Lorcana is received at some of these big box stores. Uh, They're going to hit the shelves uh, soon. Uh, It looks like September 1st will be when everyone's going to be rushing to big box stores to try and get their hands on some Lorcana. And I'm just going to be watching the news to see if there's some big, huge, mad rush. Like there was at Gen Con yeah. for that. The this game really the insanity around this game. I have not seen anything like that in board gaming. Not a new release of Dungeons and Dragons. Not a new board game. Not a new miniature game. Nothing. This game has just way outdone whatever the market expectations were for this game. People camping out, what, 18 hours ahead of time at Gen Con to try to get it. People camping out at game stores to get this release. And I'm a little worried about people because, like, these big box stores, they don't necessarily stock things like the CCGs at the big box stores. They have usually, like, like an outside party that manages that restocks on the shelves. So if that, you know, if that store, like, September 1st, Target... Target opens the doors. Is there like a line of people running in to get Lurkana only to find out that the shelf didn't get restocked with it? 
and or you know a lot of the game stores big complaints were they were marking up prices they were only allowing you to buy x amount of packs or product target's not going to probably do that or walmart's mm-hmm. not going to do that so it's just going to be most likely uh, not for something like this this isn't like playstation 5s or something like that where they get a little more controlling over it because of the, the market is bigger for it but is this going to be one of those things where the first person to get to the Lorcana case just does a big sweeping arm load, takes everything at the store and goes to the checkout and the rest of the 15, 20 people behind them that were hoping to get product go, what about me? Well, sold out. I could totally see that. And just at least for a few weeks, see people like flooding eBay or, you know, the various sales places with just the cards because people can't get the product. So you'll pay ridiculous prices. Yeah, ridiculous prices for a few weeks at least until uh, things calm down. You're you're seeing, for some of the foils, it's two, three, four hundred dollars a card yeah right now so that the Yikes. the non-foil stuff is is the non-foil ultra rare or rares are 20 to 50 bucks it looks like but the the ultra rare the like some of the foils and particularly the more ultra rare foils yeah you can easily like there's a mickey mouse foil one of the one of the versions of mickey mouse that easily if you landed that you you could just go pick yourself up $300 probably on an eBay yeah. listing right now. Yeah. I mean, patience is a virtue, people. So, I mean, <laughs> I know it's exciting. I mean, well, I think many of us have played uh, CCGs at different times. And, yeah, you can get caught up in the hype. But, it, you know, patience is a virtue. If you want to wait, it will probably eventually be plenty around. So so that's that's the kicker with this, right? The, like, It's a collectible card game part of the collectability is limited print runs, limited quantities yeah. of product, right? True. So right now, like if I heard right, and I'm not a Lorcana expert, but if I heard right, I think the next wave, like they want to do four seasons or whatever, four waves, basically four major releases a year of Lorcana is what I understand. Mm. And the next Lorcana wave, the next chapter I think I think it's what Lorcana calls it is slotted for like a November release, so it's not like they're wow. going back and reprinting the stuff that's Wave One. Once it's sold, I don't think Ravensburger has the intent to go back and reprint it. Like, hmm. how? Do, what does that affect? It's not like a it's not like a board game, right? It's like Magic the Gathering. Once they print a set and they put it out there at the stores, that's it. You don't yeah. print more. That's a set. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they handle that because, like, at least with Magic the Gathering, you have, like, a core set that they release every year, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then there's all the extra, I'll, I'll call them the extras, you know, whether that be the Lord of the Rings one or uh, Forgotten Realms or, like, you name the expansions, I'm going to butcher them, so I'm not even going to bother. But, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see if Lorcana does something similar or if they, like you well, said, just purely the seasons and that's it. If you miss season one, you're hosed and you don't ever get season one. So take that same example, the core game for magic, like the core, the core main sets for magic, right? That's still limited. Like if they go back and reprint and they release like an ultra rare card that was one in every like thousand packs or something like that, 
and now you go back and reprint it and put even more of those into circulation, you really devalue the collectability of the card, which which really impacts the game. So it'll be really, it is going to be really interesting to see what Ravensburger does. I've got to expect that when we get into the third or fourth wave, we're going to see bigger, bigger print runs on uh, these particular games yeah. or on these yeah. particular seasons of, of Lorcana. Moving on to Kickstarter, we do have a feel-good Kickstarter story. At least I feel good about it. Uh, so Cthulhu Wars from P- Peterson Games, the final onslaught Kickstarter, and uh, they mixed in, I think they blended that in another Kickstarter they ran for Cthulhu Wars at about the same time, kind of blended those two projects together. And then it's been kind of drama with COVID. And, you know, this company had done fairly well with getting their their product printed shipped in two backers go look for cthulhu wars after it originally printed it was fairly hard to find on store shelves it's you know kind of classic kickstarter we're running our company based on kickstarter projects well based on cost of shipping and then stretching out delays in manufacturing and whatnot what lo and lo and behold what happened to them like many other companies they ran out of money Well, fortunately for Peterson Games, a company that I love a lot, and that is Catalyst Games Labs, has basically bailed out Peterson Games. Because they were to the point where they were begging, you know, I wouldn't say begging, but basically asking backers for more money to come up with like the hundred and some thousand dollars they needed to pay for the shipping to get the Kickstarter to this, the Cthulhu Wars Kickstarter, not talking about any other Kickstarters that are outstanding that they still have to people. So Catalyst Game Labs has basically come in now. They're going to handle all of the publishing duties. So, you know, the running the manufacturing, running the reprints, running, you know, making sure product gets to backers and into distribu- distribution. We saw at Gen Con, they had Cthulhu Wars core games sitting there in their booth. And that was awesome to see. If you're not familiar with Catalyst Game Labs, they're best known for this little miniature game called Battletech. And they're not the original company that printed Battletech or made the Battletech models, but they're the company that's really responsible for the resurgence in that game. Uh, Always been a popular game, but they've moved to... You know, they, they're the ones that are printing plastic models. They're the ones that are coming out with rules, coming out with lore. And they had a massive, massive Kickstarter for Battletech just this last spring, where it was millions of dollars for little plastic mechs, little plastic toys on, on Kickstarter and crowdfunding. So I'm really good to see Catalyst Game Labs kind of step in, because if there's a company that knows how to get production done and get get product in people's hands, it's definitely Catalyst Game Labs and to do it profitably. But for more news on Kickstarter, Justin, where can they find that out? Yeah, you should be checking wiscodice.com uh, every Monday for our Kickstart Monday articles where we feature two Kickstarter projects that uh, have caught our eye and are interesting. So head over to wiscodice.com for that. Awesome. And now we'll roll into our hobby corner with a couple of not really gaming related hobby projects but they're definitely hobby projects nonetheless so suzanne if you want to tell us a little bit about what you've been working on oh i 
have been putting together models to play some different miniature games, but I have not yet painted them. I have been way too nervous about trying to paint. Like I see everyone else's models that are just fabulous. And so I started my painting journey now by starting to put together a 1940 board model that I obtained. And Konzi has been nice enough with giving me some tips on how to paint. And it's building up my confidence for painting this bigger thing that does not need quite as much detail. So learn how to like make sure I hold the brushes correctly and undo some of the previous habits I had self-taught myself by just trial and error. So that's kind of, that's what my project is right now. And I'm hoping that by next month, I'll finish this. I better have finished this probably in the next week. Um, and then I'll be moving on to actually getting some real miniature models painted. So that's what I've been up to. So what have you been up to, Konzi? I just say like that car, the stuff that you've done on that car is starting to look nice. It's going to come together and look really nice. I think you're going to have something that you're going to be proud of when you're finished. Well, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. So I uh, have been a long time fan of model railroading and it's been something that i i had a layout kind of i guess you could call it a layout there was a lot of track from a lot of tyco kits that didn't allow my trains to go very far without derailing because i didn't have a clue what i was doing but i was having good old time with it when i was a kid I got back into it, or I've 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 been I've bought stuff and had stuff. I had like this box that I've moved like a bunch of times of train stuff that I've gotten over the years, and uh, finally decided we've got it. We've got space. I've got some time. I'm gonna build my model train layout. So as far as when that comes into the hobby, besides all the woodworking and building and putting track down and whatnot, the biggest thing is I got this plastic kit from Walders. That's a lighthouse. I repainted it, and because uh, it's pre-colored plastic, you could just snap the thing together, and it would be good enough uh, for a lot of model railroading purposes. But I did repaint it, uh, all the components, put it together, set it up with like cool little scenes and whatnot inside, and that is now mounted to the layout. Uh, well, kind of mounted to the layout, anyways, and looks really cool. And it's you know that that little bit of making scenes and whatnot. Of course, when Brian saw it, he's like, hey, we're going to play bolt action on this. It's <laughs> like, no, no, scale's a little too wrong. But it is really cool to be getting back into some model railroading and, and, and being able to take all the miniature hobby <laughs> tools and tricks and things that I've been doing over the years and turn it into another passion that is very similar. It is certainly not something for the faint of heart, but... Also, at the same time, if you're like me and you wanted to have a train layout and you just have an apartment or something like that, what I'm learning is there are so many options out there for what you could do and how you could do it that I never even knew. And resources, it's just like learning to paint these days. There are so many resources out there that you can really be successful with it. If you if you just uh, take the moment to go look and and spend a little time talking to folks and watching a little YouTube video, so that's where my miniature hobby has been. It definitely is a miniature hobby for sure. 
<laughs> but uh, we'll have pics of all of these things up on our blog up at whiskerdice.com. So make sure that you check those out so that you can see what we've been working on and, and see what we've got going on. With that, I think we're going to go ahead and take a little break here. And when we come back, we're going to get into the main topic for today. Our Essenspiel Most Anticipated Games! 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 We really need to invest in an echo machine. We'll be back, folks. <laughs> this, is more, this is more entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Hey folks, this is the Conzi of the Most. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about Misty Mountain Games here in Madison, Wisconsin, where you can find CCGs, RPGs, board games, minis, paint and hobby supplies for your all of your tabletop gaming experience and needs. If you can't find it online, give them a phone call or swing on by their brick and mortar store uh, here on the east side of Madison. Don't worry, that is MistyMountainGames.com. Check them out today. All right, and we are back. We just got off of probably North America's biggest gaming convention, expo, show, whatever you want to call it, Gen Con, right? However, there's this little convention over in Europe that, from what I hear might be a smidge bigger than Gen Con, or maybe a lot bigger than Gen Con. And it is certainly the single show of the year that draws out more publishers and more new games than any other event. And that is Spiel in a little town called Essen, Germany, or what us here in the U.S. oftentimes refer to as Essen or Essenspiel as a convention. And uh, I, it is on the bucket list of things to go do, knock on wood. Sometime in the next year or two, Suzanne and I might actually get to go there. And maybe we'll be able to wrangle, wrangle up a trip with some of the rest of the Wisco Dice crew. But uh, until then, we can pour over the Board Game Geek Geek List of new hot games that are coming out at Essenspiel and go, hmm, which ones of these will we be almost for sure adding to our collections in the coming year? So with that, Justin, if you would be so kind as to kick us off with what games... Do you what game do you think we you're you know people are going to be talking about well after Essen in the old Essen hotness? Yeah, the the first one that caught my eye is called Starfighters Rapid Fire, and this is from Alley Cat Games. So Starfighters is a real time dice rolling tactical starship combat game. And you have a hex board in space where you have all of your spaceships and you are fighting all the other players. And as you play, you are rolling dice in real time to attempt to charge up your different ship systems. So you might be rolling a bunch of dice and if you get hits on your red dice, that means you can power up your weapons. If you get hits on like your uh, blue dice, you can power up your shields. And so everybody's rolling dice at the same time, kind of frantically trying to build up their ship's power. And then once somebody has 
built up enough, they can basically call fire and switch the mode to the tactical combat where you can move and shoot at people and turn on your shields and adjust things and use your other ship's abilities. And it just sounds like a really fun time, you know, definitely not my normal kind of go-to type of game, but I love the idea of the real-time dice rolling, building up your ship's capabilities, and then sort of turning that into like a tactical combat free-for-all. Looks really cool. Has custom dice, custom uh, little face ships that you move around. Just looks like a really fun game. Yeah, I, this one was going to be on my list of games to talk about, and then I noticed you had it on yours. To me, this game reminds me a lot of like maybe Star Fox, the video game, but in board okay. game form. And I'm super stoked. Like I love real time dice games, real time games because they 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 put a pressure on you that yeah, other yeah. games don't put on you. Whether it's chucking dice like an Escape Curse from the Temple, or uh, what's the other what's the other real time like Euro game we have, Suzanne? But- Pendulum? Is that the one? Pendulum, yeah. 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 That game is great. That game. Yes. But that it, one was it great. definitely like definitely does stress you a little bit in different ways than other board games do. It's a fun game and you can kind of plan stuff out, but at the same time you can't think too hard. So that this game that Justin's talking about was also on my list to kind of check out as a you know a real time game that should be fun. And interesting. Well, that, what I'm hearing is basically one of the three of us has to definitely buy this. So I nominate <laughs> Matt. That's <laughs> yeah, I didn't even have it on my list. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's a good we're excuse. Nominating you. <laughs> it's it's a good excuse to have you guys over. That's all. There you go. So, all right. Well, since I got nominated, uh, the first one that made it on my list is uh, Chaos Cove. It's going to be published by Ape Games. It is not currently uh, available in production. It should be coming to Kickstarter uh, sometime in the not-too-distant future. So this is one I actually got a chance to play at Gen Con, but I've just been like really trying to keep an eye on this game. It was a lot of fun. You basically play retired pirates, and uh, you're being, your pirate cove is being invaded by other pirates from the sea and barbarians by land. And so you're just trying to balance uh keeping your city alive and uh you know trying to fend off the waves of attackers and uh building up your defenses as you go so there's definitely some player interaction there's some gotchas ways to kind of screw with your other party but not like uh you know but you got to be careful because otherwise you can let you can get the, the city sacked at the same time so I don't know. It was just a fun one. It's, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, kind of interaction. It wasn't a terribly long game to play. So. All right. So we're going to move from pirates and stars to uh, an Assyrian empire period game. So this is called Samaramat. And this is a game that is published by Ion Games. And I had not seen this game until I started looking through the Essence Spiel list, but it definitely caught my eye. In this game, you are trying to rule this, you're a um, female ruler who has advisors. Well, you're sorry, you're not a female ruler. <laughs> you're playing the advisors of a female ruler who is trying to make her empire more profitable and peaceful and just 
bring about good for the people. You have these challenge cards and that you draw during setup and then you are trying to complete these scenarios. So you're trying to, to complete your goal and also keep everything stable and keep this Queen Samuramat safe. So it just seems like it's a interesting game with a story that, you know, maybe has not been overdone at all. And it just, I don't know, it just kind of, it just, like I said, it just kind of caught my eye and something I definitely want, would like to check out and keep an eye on. So, Conzi, what's caught your eye? So, I'm just going to say I've always been a fan of ancient Egypt. It's always been fascinating to me. And so, when I saw this game, uh, Arceus uh, from Ankama, I was pretty pretty intrigued by it. So, the best way I can kind of sum up this this game is it's an Egyptian tomb crawl co-op campaign game. That was a long string of keywords to basically define this game. But basically you and or other players are co-oping into a series of uh, what is basically a dungeon crawl game with, uh, but it, but it, you're raiding or going into these Egyptian tombs. The outcomes of those are going to affect other games. And there's a bunch of really cool miniatures. It's got some, you know, the way it lays out the... The Egyptian tombs, there's a bit of 3D-ness to the setups. Uh, it, it looks, visually it looks cool. I, I'm not sure about how, how exactly the gameplay is going to look, but it was definitely one that caught my eye. So my next game is another space-themed game, but a little more of a serious game on this one. Uh, and that is series or uh, series from Artipia Games. This is a worker placement engine building Euro game where you are mining asteroids as a base corporation, improving the series colony. So it, you'll be building different buildings like mines and factories, labs, offices, setting out miners to mine on the asteroids that are orbiting the sun. There's this little rondel wheel where the asteroids sort of spin around the sun at different speeds. There's kind of a, a dual worker placement system where you have a kind of a main leader worker that you place to take actions. And then there's kind of a common supply of these other workers that you use to activate the cards that you've played in front of you. Um, they've put a lot of uh, emphasis on making this like a very strong thematic game, which I really like. It's good to get away from the really dry euros sometimes. So it's nice to see a, a really strongly themed and especially like a sci-fi themed uh, Euro worker placement type game. So yeah, all, all those things. And they, they also call it medium weight. So it's not going to be like overkill. Um, looks like a really cool combination of mechanics and components and just theme. So that one is, is one I'm looking forward to. That, that one was also on my list. Um, you know, and I, I, one of the, the only thing I can really add to what Justin had is the components look great. Like some of the art and pictures I've seen of what they have, they they look really good. They like they have all sorts of like nice little things and the boards look great. And they have some extra like components and stuff that go with them that look really good at the same time. So um it's definitely one I'm gonna keep an eye out for because it just looks like a, a really interesting game to me. So 
Yeah. What one other one other thing I forgot to mention. Apparently, they developed this game along with uh, an astrophysicist, so that they could basically ensure that like the things they were putting in the game were very accurate and realistic. So they like really put some effort into into making sure the theme was was captured. It's really cool. But yeah, that was a series from Artipia Games. What's your next one, Matt? Uh, well, actually, it was series, but uh, I'll go ahead and throw <laughs> the last one on my list. Um, so this one I stumbled across um, and just kind of caught my eye as I was flipping through the list. And anybody who's looked through the list of games that are going to be out in Essen, is, it is just a gigantic list. There's 500-some games on it, and this one just happened to catch my eye. Uh, it's a game called Delta, and the name doesn't really give much away. Delta is a steampunk-themed game. So the story behind this one, as I understand it, it is going to be produced by, I think, Game Brewer in the U.S. is the one I could kind of assess. In in this steampunk world, the perpetual steam engine is failing. It was been running for 100 years, and now it's starting to fail. But nobody ever bothered to really learn how these crystals that support the perpetual steam engine work. So now you have to go into this expedition, into these wildlands to study these steampunk creatures that have these crystals and try to learn what what it is about these crystals to be basically get the perpetual steam engine running again so really interesting theme it's, it's an interesting mix of hand manic hand management and bidding mechanics to determine who goes first in a round and just like the components and stuff just look really really good so uh this was one that just kind of like out of the blue, and I'm and I'm a sucker for steampunk. Um, just one of my favorite kind of, I don't know. There's just something about that world that I like, and this one just really kind of stood out to me as just kind of a really interesting, unique take on kind of a steampunk world. So, uh, one I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for. Yeah, I'll say that one did look interesting with its, you know, with that steampunk theme and. It was a little different than a lot of steampunk themed games I've seen. So yeah, that one is one I'll be looking out for too. With the Essence Spiel release, mine next on my list is actually Footprints by Chili Fox Games, which did make our Gen Con preview list. But I looked and looked for this at Gen Con. It was supposed to be there. It probably was, but I could not find it to check it out. So it is still on my radar to see if I can at least get you know input from someone who's there who's actually looking at this game to see what it's like if this one is got some it's also got some hand management it's got some engine building you are controlling a clan and you are trying to survive basically and you've got some neat wooden tokens with cave painting symbols on them so I would say Footprints from Chili Fox Games is definitely one to be on the lookout for. Konzi, what do you have next on your list? Well, interestingly enough, I have a game that has to do with extinction and and a horrifying comet coming in and crashing into the planet, uh, causing an ex- you know a, a terrible, terrible, terrible event. And so it's really this is a card game that I, I really like the the visual graphical art presence that it has on the table, and I'm intrigued by the theme. Uh, but effectively, you've got a board where the, you have animals that you're moving around, and you're trying to get these animals into caves. And when you when you get them into caves, 
then they're they're protected or whatever from the the horrible comet event. I think it's gonna be an interesting game. It's it's very cool. Like, and there was like a mechanic that once you're in the once the animals are in the cave, you can start triggering like special abilities of the animals somehow. And it, it just like there's a bunch of intriguing here that I want to know more. So, uh, Comet from Fun Tales is definitely on my radar of games coming out at Essen that I, I think are going to be interesting. My next game, I'm leaning into theme even further with this one, and it's called The Presence, and that is from Purple Lantern Games. In The Presence, you're going to be playing cooperatively with a group of visitors to a haunted Victorian uh, manor. And one player is going to play as a spirit who may be a beneficial spirit or a benevolent spirit who's going to try to help you solve the mysteries of the manor and find the secrets that you need to find to win the game. Or they are against you and are going to slowly sabotage you and eventually try to defeat the entire group of visitors to the manor. During the game, the players sort of have to figure out, is the spirit benevolent? Are they... Are they against us? And the spirit can kind of do different things to maybe indicate whether or not they're, you know, on the side of the visitors or not. But they don't have um, one of the key aspects of this game is limited communication. So the spirit can't directly like speak to other players. They have to sort of somehow communicate their intentions through their actions in the game. Um, and another cool aspect with that is that. Uh, if your characters in the game are in two different rooms, the rules are such that you cannot communicate with each other in real life if you're in different rooms or like out of earshot. So it can have these situations where somebody might be far off in another part of the uh, manor and they're about to do something really, really stupid and you can't stop them because you can't talk to them because you're not in the same room as them. So there's a sort of aspect of do we... Do we stay all clumped together as a group so that we can communicate with each other? Or do we spread out to cover more ground because we got to find the clues and uncover the secrets? It looks like a really cool co-op experience, sort of one versus many type of game. And I think the, the, the whole limited communication thing is what really sold me. I think that's super interesting. Definitely yeah, want, to, this, want to check out this game. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be a, a really cool, heavy theme. But you, it's going to require the right set of people playing it too because there is uh much like we see at the D &D table there is hey let somebody else take their turn let them do things and the players oftentimes forget that and start oh but you should do this or you should do that right so it's gonna be interesting to see i think the right group of people this game is going to be amazing Mm -hmm. i definitely am excited to play it so uh, hopefully we can get the. Hopefully, uh, Justin, you decide to maybe get this one at some point so we can play it. Yeah, no, I. I or you, I'd, or you I'd can definitely just pick me it to up. buy it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're just gonna sign me to buy everything. <laughs> yeah, oh, I want you to buy this, this one. one. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I, I've actually exhausted my list, uh, yeah, because Justin and I picked uh, uh, the same game. Uh, so Suzanne, what else have you got? Well, I have more on my list. It was hard for me to cut this list down to just a few and rank (laughs) them, but I did. I did that for all of you, our listeners. So next up on my list is Biome by Linus Games. 
this is the game where they tout it as where conservation meets gameplay. And I just kind of really thought the pictures on the cards were cute. There's like orchids and weasels and all different little animals just kind of looking at you. So cute. I've never seen a weasel look cuter than on these cards. Yes, the artwork sucked me into this where you are you are working on uh, developing a ecosystem that can just blast and I guess I don't know all that much about it. There's not much out there about it that I was finding. But you do have disasters that come up every year that you are working on this biome. And there might be natural disasters or they things may happen to destroy parts of your resources. And then you can also do things to mitigate the damage, this is called, such as planting mangrove trees. So... To me, it sounds like one of those educational games where you don't realize that you're learning something, uh, but it still just looks like it's a fun game to play for a bunch of different ages. So that is Biome by Lioness Games. All right, we're going to get increasingly crunchy here uh, with my remaining games on this list. And this is a game I am very surprised that was not on Justin's list. (laughs) <laughs> and that is uh, actually there were a pair of them from uh, this this designer Vladimir Suki, and also I think both both of those games were uh, fr- uh, published by or are being published by Delicious Games as well. Oh, it's a but Suki this one, game. Oh. oh yeah, this is a Suki game. Dang it! <laughs> but this is I think there's a pair of them from Delicious Games that are coming out uh, at Essen. Uh, but this one I definitely keyed in on because it's a sci-fi game that really intrigues me. So this is called Evacuation. And so this game, basically the theme of this game is you're you have a you're on a planet, you have your full economy, like everything is great. And then the sun is radiating the planet too much and it's getting to be in can't live there it's inhospitable to people and you have to pick up and move your entire economic engine from one planet to your new home planet so you're going to start out with your engine it's all going to be working fine-tuned home you can do everything you want with it but you got to somehow manage packing it up and what do you pack up and move? And how is that going to limit you back on the home planet as you're trying to move the rest of the stuff? And whoever can do that, obviously, the best through the course of the game is going to be the winner. And man, that that just that, that is a sci-fi theme that I don't think is captured well enough or really in, in board games. So that immediately, that really caught me on top of the fact that, well, it's a Suki game. Yeah, I'm really hyped for this now. I totally missed it, man. I should have looked for Delicious Games. I know that, that he usually publishes with them. That looks awesome. It might, might have helped that I was doing my list today, although I think I don't think I saw that on the any of the pop-up notifications recently that it was added. So, uh, But I was doing my list today. I mean, it sounds interesting. Like you said, it's not a theme you see very often, and it sounds like it could be pretty crunchy to figure out what you balance and how you do it. So. Suki is known for crunchy games. Like, it's probably oh, yeah. his most popular game to date that people know of is Praga 
Caput Rugni. That one is probably the probably the most popular one, but it's Boone Lake, I think, Justin, you have. And uh, that, that's like a Fister, guy. actually. Or but... no, that's a Fister game. But uh, oh my goodness, this guy is pumping out games. Underwater like Cities is his. Yep. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah Woodcraft, I think, popular. actually is a Suka game. Yep. Uh, no, I yeah, so. I played that one recently. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's getting getting kind of prolific actually. <laughs> yep, lots of games. So yeah, that is ev- evacuation from delicious games. So I obviously missed that one, but my last game is yet another space themed game. <laughs> Boy, you're uh, nothing if not consistent today on yeah, the theme. No. And There's this ghosts. That's true. Yeah, I did ghosts. get some ghosts there. I had some Victorian ghosts. It's a, you know palette cleanser but this last one is called uh <laughs> it's called galaxy postman by hodari spiel and this is a sci-fi themed kind of worker placement pickup and delivery maybe a little a little lighter euro game but you are a a galactic mail carrier and you're picking up packages across space and delivering them to where they need to go at the same time that you're uh, picking up aliens and returning them to their home planet. You're flying across an expanding hex map of space that has a bunch of obstacles and other things. There's asteroid field. There's wormholes that let you jump around. There's galactic storms that'll push your ship all around in different locations. You know, black holes and things like that too. But it's it's some resource management. It's it's worker placing with dice, which is one of the things that. That keyed me into it. That is one of my favorite game mechanisms. And so I will always take a look at a game that uses that mechanic. And it's got a really cool kind of neon 80s style vibe to it. So that kind of make it, made it stand out for me a little bit more too. Looks cool. Looks like a lighter, lighter mid-light Euro. Yeah. I have to say the name Galaxy Postman. Galaxy Postman. Made me smile. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, it seems like something you would see in a a kids show. Like there's a galaxy postman going around, and yeah, that's going to be unique to to look at. Anyway, I guess we are on to my last one, which for once I don't think I have any sci- space themes on my list right now. Whoa, for us and Spiel, what's wrong? I know. What's wrong? Are you sick? <laughs> I have history ones. I've been hanging around with you too much. I guess Conzi. Um, <laughs> but this next one is Archaeologic. So this one reminds me a bit of Terrain Machine, which I picked up at uh, Gen Con and have enjoyed. And Conzie's even enjoying that one. It's like one to four players. It takes about 40 minutes. So you have this in- ancient city that you discovered in the mountains but no one wants to go in there because you need to map the place so what you're going to do is you're going to compete with the other players to uh, map this out and solve basically stop by solving these logic puzzles and you're going to try and do it quicker than the other players you have like these cogs that you turn to determine if your answer is correct and you have to check exactly what lines up or what doesn't and what you see. So it looks sounds similar to Turing Machine, but with a, a different theme and a few different mechanics. So 
that would be my next pick for Essence Field to look out for Archaeologic by Ludenot Games. All right. So last, but probably not the least here is Nucleum from Board and Dice. Now, I couldn't have very well had a list and not mentioned Board and Dice, although I think I missed them on this year's Gen Con list. But Board and Dice being one of my favorite publishers, this one, I got to see Nucleum set up at Gen Con. I didn't have the opportunity to try it or demo it, but holy goodness, does this thing look like it's going to be crazy fun and a mental exercise. Um, I wager this might be, just looking at it, might be one of the crunchiest games from Board and Dice. And uh, basically what you're doing in this game is uh, nuclear power in this alternate universe is generated, you know, basically like a century before. It's like in the 19th century it's discovered rather than in the 20th century. So uh, there is a race to being able to get leverage that the, you know, be able to to get uranium to be able to uh, be used at the nucleums. It's what they're, they're calling their nuclear reactors and then getting, building all that like power grid to be able to power various locations. And then also you see you're doing that. Plus you're also, you're also managing all of the shipping to be able to get things like coal and, and uranium and all of these other materials that you need to get uh, for your industry to be able to uh, do the things and build out more track and build out more network and build out more power and, and, yeah, it's is this really interesting game where you're really you're taking you I, I can't emphasize you're really taking on that role of an industrialist and just going nuts uh, on this map. And the game has bright colors. It's like something I'm not used to in a board and dice game. It <laughs> it seems like it's going to be very highly thematic, and it's going to have a, a real brain burn kind of dig your teeth into. This is. When I saw this game at, at Gen Con, Suzanne can kind of attest, I kind of got a little giddy and excited about it, like, a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it did so. look cool. I mean, I, if he hadn't gotten excited about it, I probably would have, so. Yeah, you can so only have one sorts- of us jumping up and down in the board and dice booth. There's all sorts of tiles and and different things and mechanisms that are, I think this game's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping I'm not wrong, but this is probably the game I'm most excited. So I saved my best for my last game, and that is Nucleum from Board and Dice. So make sure you check that one out. It should be available for retail. I think it's available for pre-order pickup right now through Board and Dice. Yeah, this one looks like a big table <laughs> hog. Oh, there's, That's, it's pretty, oh. though. All of the board and dice games take yeah. a, a massive amount of table space. Like that, that is definitely part of their shtick. <laughs> yep. If you think about Takenu and uh, uh, what is it, uh, City of the Gods, Tiwatakan, and a couple of others, yeah, they are big, big table hog type board games that they often produce. So. 
that is our preview of games that we are most excited for at Essence Spiel this year that are coming out. I hope you're as excited about some of these games as we are. If you are, or if you think we missed some games, why don't you reach out to us? Uh, we are happy to hear about that. We have uh, You can just post on our Facebook feed or uh, let us know on Instagram or Twitter. Yes, we still even have a Twitter presence. It's, you know, it's there. Um, but, uh, you know, you can reach out. Or, you know what? We have this little thing called Discord. And you can find the link to join our Discord server right on wiscodice.com and talk about you know, about what games you're excited about in the board games channel. We'd love to see that community grow and and have more people start to get added and, and interacting with with us and with other hobbyists and gamers uh, on our Discord. Now. That does cover us for today's show. But before we wrap, do you want to note that uh, if you did, there will be more games and coverage for Essence Spiel anticipated games over on our YouTube channel coming soon. And we also then covered all of our Hobby Corner today. Uh, caught up on that. We caught up on the news, all of the conventions and fun things we're going to be at and doing this this fall, and, of course, the games we've been playing. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you leave a review of this show wherever your favorite place is to find podcasts. Oh, and by the way, give us a like on our Facebook page. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest while you're at it. If you haven't looked recently, make sure you catch up on the blog at wiscodice.com. Hey, Brian, what's that site? Oh, darn it. I forget. Uh, Justin, what's our website again? Whiskodice.com. That's right. It's whiskodice.com. And until next time, everyone, peace out. <laughs>